All right, ladies and gentlemen, joining me on the line. He is wearing sunglasses because when you're cool, the sun shines on you all the time. Ladies and gentlemen, his name is Mike Reyes from CinemaBlend.com. Hey, buddy. Dude, I love that intro. I mean, it's a stupid eye infection that's got me wearing these things, but I like your intro, and that's just beautiful. I am doing even better because of that. How are you? <laughs> Good. A buddy of mine used to say that all the time. He, he would go, you know why I wear sunglasses inside? I'd go, no. Because when you're cool, the sun shines on you all the time. <laughs> He's also the guy that you would drop a face and he'd go, oh, I didn't know you'd recognize me without my sandals. <laughs> oh, Eric Sabo, how I love you. Anyways, Mike Reyes from CinemaBlend.com is on the line with me this week. Uh, of course, the big movie out this week is Mission Impossible 14, Dead Reckoning. Yeah. Oh man, this is, is it. This I, what number been, is it? It's seven, isn't it? This is seven, and part two will be eight. And this is a movie that has been. I think it was delayed, but right now it was delayed to like two years past what it was originally set where it was originally supposed to be released. Thanks to you know pandemic and all that. But yeah, we're finally here, man. Drink uh, it in. All right, you've seen this thing twice, and just for point of reference, when we talked the one time, you said after your first viewing and after the second viewing, you actually raised your score on it. What What did you think of this thing, man? Uh, this is fun. This is a blast. It is not my favorite mission. Uh, it's not even my favorite mission for uh, for Christopher McQuarrie, who's the writer, co-writer slash director of this one. He's been handling those duties since Rogue Nation, which I think is my, that's my favorite one of his run. But this is fun. It's just all, both barrels blasting out. The stunts are great. It's it, There's a lot of callbacks to previous missions, but especially the first one. Really? And yeah, yeah. Oh, Christopher McQuarrie is in love with Mission Impossible from 1996, and he has always shown that through the stuff that he's decided to bring back and the stuff he's decided to reference. And there's a lot of, there's everything from referencing Ving Rhames' nicknames from the first movie to bringing back, you know, Henry Cherney's Kittredge for a very important part. And this is a good setup for a two-part story. The only problem I have is there's certain threads from the past that don't seem readily apparent as to whether they're going to be followed through or not. And it also feels like this movie skimps a little bit on some details and setup that we would need, or at least would be ideal to have going into part two. But other than that, this is, it's a good one. It's go see this. I saw it in Dolby and I saw it in IMAX. My local IMAX had a, a slight problem with their sound where, the dialogue was being drowned out. I think it was their setup. But if you see this in either of those, it's it's only going to be an IMAX for the week. And then I think it's going to stay in Dolby because Oppenheimer takes over IMAX next week. See this big, see this loud, and just have fun. It's good that they're going back to the first one. I always, it just my own viewing of the movie and the series itself. I always felt like the first two, it was like, hey, we're, we stumbled across something. We don't know exactly what we want to do with it. And even really the third one, they kind of seem like they're kind yeah. of loosely together, but they're not. It was like, it wasn't a planned, you know, continuing story. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. No, this went through the James Bond evolution on steroids. The first three movies, it was very mission of the mission of the week, so to speak, very self-contained. And then starting with Ghost Protocol, they started weaving things together and building a bigger foundation. And the team was more solidified. 
And part of that is because Christopher McQuarrie actually did uncredited rewrites on Ghost Protocol. Okay. So right there, he got to get his foot in the door, so to speak, introduce the notion of the syndicate, which was brought back for several films after that. And yeah, he's just, he, he's the one that has kind of turned it into a serialized story slash franchise. And this may, these two movies may be the end of that arc, not necessarily the end of Ethan Hunt, because Tom Cruise is already saying he wants to make action movies in as long as he can and do crazy stunts as long as he can. So we're still going to be, they've already got an idea for Mission Impossible 9. What I'm hoping is this wraps up, I'm hoping Dead Reckoning Part 2 wraps up the the arc of the syndicate, which seems to have been very important since, especially important since Rogue Nation. It's first mentioned at the end of Ghost Protocol, but Rogue Nation's where it really takes hold. Okay. I'm hoping this ends that plot line, and then maybe they go do something new with that team from that. I got you. Mike Reyes from CinemaBlend.com on the line with me, talking about Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning. Go see it this weekend. Kind of into uh, what else is happening around the world. Uh, it's a movie that was out. Uh, we didn't get a chance to talk about it, but uh, I think we've both seen it, right? The Outlaws? The Outlaws? Yeah. Yes, we both have. Uh, the Outlaws is out on Netflix. Pierce Brosnan, uh, what's his name from Pitch Perfect? Adam Devine. Adam uh, Devine. Nia Dobrev from Vampire Diaries. Ellen Barkin. Michael Rooker. <laughs> yes, Michael Rooker is Michael it. Michael Rooker, man. Uh, listen, uh, we watched it this past weekend. I'm not going to sit here and say it was awesome, but I, I thoroughly enjoyed parts of it. It's a fun movie. I mean, it's definitely, it is very much put it on and enjoy like, don't overthink it too much. Uh, it's I, I will say to its credit, it is definitely an interesting mix of rom-com with action. Yes. Because the whole the whole story of, you know, this couple's getting married and her parents are secretly bank robbers and they're trying to knock over their potential son-in-law's bank. Uh, and then they, there's some craziness ensues and he has to become a, a, a bandit with them. This is all stuff that's in the trailer. But it's a lot of fun and I love watching Adam Devine and Pierce Brosnan work off of each other. Adam and Devine was a little having, much at times. Yeah, they, they could have scaled back on him being a wimp. But at the same time, it's Adam Devine. He plays it so well. I, you know what was really out of place in it? What? The back hair joke. I think that's just, you have to keep in mind, this is a Happy Madison movie. That's like a Happy Madison gag. Yeah. Like, it, that it, is definitely Adam Sandler and crew sort of thing. Uh, it was just one of those ones that it, it came across, I'm like, okay, everything is fine up until that, you know, it, not even up until that. I love the uh, Shrek robbing the banks. <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, Adam and then just... <laughs> Adam Devine is dressed as Shrek, robbing a bank, and then giving someone CPR is just freaking amazing. So yeah, and then uh, having Richard Kind and Julie Haggerty playing his parents was was yes. a beautiful touch. No, it... because I I was I was lucky enough to talk to Adam Devine and Nina Dobrev for this movie, and she had said that Richard Kind was just killing it on and off camera, and as as one would expect, and then Julie Haggerty plays kind of against type. Because if you remember her from Airplane, she's very much like they, a lot of people cast her as the meek and mild and sort yeah, of yeah, yeah, yeah. very calm mom. And then here she's talking left and right about how she was part of an orgy with Dan Marino. <laughs> <laughs> with Dan Marino. Oh, it's awesome. She, yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's a great team. It's a fun ride. And um, Pierce Brosnan, of course. Pierce Brosnan and Ellen Barkin just. And then it, it, they're perfect. But Nina Dobrev de de delivering that machine gun Kelly line. It's yeah. one of my favorite 
things out of this movie. That was a moment that I actually just broke. Mike Reyes from CinemaBlend.com joining me on the line to talk about movies and such. Uh, going over to the world of movie news and trailers, uh, this story kind of started last week and it's kind of uh, just kind of kept going, really. Uh, Deadpool 3, we've gotten a lot of leaks and a lot of pictures from the set, including one that I didn't realize until the day what it was a picture of, actually. Oh, what picture was that? So um, one of the pictures coming out, or a couple of the pictures coming out, was Hugh Jackman in the classic yellow Wolverine costume, right? Yep. Did you realize that they're apparently fighting in front of a broke-down 20th Century Fox logo? That I did not know. I didn't even see them fighting. I just saw them both walking away to get walking away from something together. Yeah, so they're in like a quarry or something, and someone kind of pointed it out, and if you kind of see it, uh, I just saw a picture a little bit ago, and it was, like, in the background, there's, like, kind of a 20th Century Fox logo just kind of there. <laughs> it's weird looking, I, and I don't know if it's true. And like I said the other day to you, I there's part of me that it's like, there. it seems like too much came out too fast about this all at once, and I kind of feel like it's a trap. How so? Do you remember when Doctor Strange came out and they had all the leaks and, oh, they're going to have all these different cameos and all this. Well, we've had a ton of leaks. We found out about a ton of cameos. You know, uh, what's his Channing Tatum going to show up as Gambit. Um, uh, uh, what's her name? Is Electra Jennifer Gardner. You're starting to see more Wait, and more. Did they announce Gambit? Yeah, they, there's been uh, a bunch of different articles about it. Or I don't know about oh, articles, hell, but leaks, yeah. Uh, but yeah, there's part of me that it's like, it just seems too good to be true. Is it real or is it a weird marketing play? Because let's face it, Ryan Reynolds, when it comes to advertising, is sort of brilliant. I don't think they would be talking all this stuff up not to put it in the movie because that would be the ultimate F you to the fans, and then they would turn on them instantly. Okay. Uh, whether these are major plot points or whether they're things that play any huge part of the movie at large, we'll have to wait and see. Uh, you and I were talking about this off air, and I, we both mentioned the the possibility that they're just goofing around, and it's like, this could be filmed for a like a five minute, a fifteen second like montage, and it's like, hey, since there's a multiverse and we're now part of the MCU family, here's a bunch of the cool stuff we couldn't show you because Marvel and yeah. rights issues. So I don't know, like uh, that could, yeah. It, it's just weird. It just seemed like there was a lot in a very very small amount of time. You know what I'm saying? I think it's they're probably keeping some really big secrets, and that's why they're getting. It's it's what I call the Giuliani effect after Borat too. You give away the lesser spoilers, so that way the larger ones stay secret. No, I get that. Um, yeah, I don't know. So I just, there's probably a whole bunch of stuff they're not telling us yet. I, I did think well, it, it kind of started with uh, they just came up and they're like, oh, look at uh, Deadpool's new suit reveal. Then it's like, okay, it's not much different. And then it's like, here's Logan. Here's, you know, all this other stuff. And it's like, oh, boy, what's going on here? <laughs> yeah. So, I don't know. It looks no, cool. I'm excited for it. Yeah. I think they're teasing us just right, and I am I will be very surprised to see what what happens next. I wouldn't be surprised if it is Ryan Reynolds. Like you said, he's very ad-savvy. I wouldn't be surprised if that's this is all very measured and calculated right down to the last, you know, ball hair. Yes, <laughs> I see what you did there. 
<laughs> so uh, probably more on this as it comes out. Mike Reyes from CinemaBlend.com on the line. Uh, we got a couple uh, different trailers, uh, one of which I don't know exactly when the new one came out, but it's been kind of news this week. Uh, but yesterday, and we are recording on Wednesday this week, we got our first look at Wonka, new uh, Willy Wonka movie coming out. I, I actually don't know when it's coming out. It'll be out on December 15th. Oh, there you go. Perfect. Right there. Uh, what'd you think? I think it looks fantastic. I am... Um... I, all right, so my origin story with Willy Wonka was I wanted to see that movie so bad on VHS because we were at the video store the one day, and I saw the box art, and it really drew me in. And my mother's like, look, read the book. Look. I'll let you watch it. <laughs> so, what'd you say? I said, look. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I pictured your mom having a really, really, like, deep conversation with you. Look, read the book first. It was terribly she was just like okay i tell you what like she just put it she put it down it was like a uh the a, like a gentleman's agreement so to speak only my mother's not a gentleman yes it's like look you read the book we'll rent the movie okay sure as rain i check that thing out of the library and i'm reading it during silent reading time in third grade <laughs> and i enjoyed the hell out of it and then my mother and then sure enough my parents fulfilled that their end of the bargain and rented it and the movie was everything I had dreamed of <laughs> and so this is something that I'm definitely a fan of something I definitely hold close to my heart and what I really like about this trailer is Timothy Chalamet is not doing a Gene Wilder impression he has eccentricity he has references but he's not just trying to be a carbon copy and I know part of that is Paul King the director and co-writer of this movie and his co-writer Simon Farnaby they come from doing the first two Paddington movies. They understand what it means to have a revered source material, but also turn it into this blend of sort of poking fun at things, but also being very gravely like serious about them. Yeah. And this just looks like I, I want this to be the next Barbie double feature. I want them to bring Barbie back in December. It doesn't have an IMAX release. I don't even think it is a wide Dolby release, except for like, the fan events they're doing next week because it's really crowded right now with Oppenheimer and Mission Impossible and now Barbie. Which, I think what they should do is bring Barbie back around Christmas and have it do a double feature with Wonka because that's going to be one of the most colorful, sensorily overloading things that I could ever imagine, and I want that. <laughs> it kind of, kind of off the subject, but I love all the Oppenheimer and Barbie memes and stuff out there right now. Oh, I am fully committed to doing Barbenheimer opening weekend. My wife wants to do it. She's like, we're doing this. And I was just so damn happy she said that because, you know, she, she doesn't have to see everything I have to say. Yeah. Like, she's, she was not interested in going to see Mission. She didn't want to see Indy. But this, she's, like, really committed to it. It's like, okay, we're, we're going to ride the lightning on this one. Let's do it. Oh, that's awesome. Mike Reyes from CinemaBlend.com on the line with me. All right, so, um, boy, where were we going with this? Oh, Wonka, going back to Wonka. that. Sorry, I was like, where are we? I got I got I went down the Barbie road and just didn't pull out. Uh oh, Look, that, there is no escaping Barbenheimer. No, there is not. Anyways, back to Wonka. I've never been a big Willy Wonka or Charlie and the Chocolate Factory guy. It's just it's I get it. Some people are really into it. It's just not my thing. Um I I love the Oopa Loopa at the end. Oh, Hugh Grant is an Oompa Loompa. And it, see, that's one of those things where it's poking fun, but it's not it's not doing it because it's too cool. It's doing it because it knows fans will 
will appreciate the gag because, you know, the Hugh Grant's Oompa Loompa starts dancing and singing and, you know, Willy Wonka's like, no, no, I don't need that. He's like, too late. I've already stopped dancing. Yes. So now I have to do it. <laughs> yeah, that was what I, nope, sorry, I've already started. <laughs> just perfect. Absolutely perfect. And then the whole thing just looks colorful and beautiful as anything. And again, this is the origin story of Willy Wonka where he is still a wild-eyed young man who wants to get into selling sweets. And the darkness that settles into him will probably come later. I don't know if they're going to do... I don't know if they're going to pack this into the whole movie or if it's going to be like they they want to do sequels to this. But we're, we still have not seen Willy Wonka be betrayed by his workers for, as Slugworth spies yeah. to sell his secrets and turn him into an embittered man that, you know stays secluded for years and then opens up his gates to these young kids and tries to find a successor. Like that's, that's a, I had a mini discussion with someone in our staff meeting the other day. Cause he was like, Oh, well, I think the trailer doesn't get the point of the character. And it's like, no, no, this is the origin of the character. We're going to get all that other stuff later. Right now we're seeing him be, be Willie become Wonka as the trailer says. Which, you know, they kind of took a page out of Casino Royale's book, See James Become Bond. Yeah, 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 totally. Uh, Mike Reyes from CinemaBlend.com on the line with me. So that was Wonka. Uh, one of the other trailers that came out, uh, we got another look at Ahsoka as that's going to be hitting theater or hitting theaters. Actually, you know what? I would go see, I'd go to a theater to see that. Uh, going to be on Disney Plus later on this summer. Basically, if you like Star Wars Rebels in that, the animated stuff, I think you're going to dig this. They showed a lot. I still have not. They, had, they, didn't show, they didn't show much, but they showed a lot, if that makes sense. I still have not watched Rebels, but I will take your word that this is like, yeah, Star Wars, because, yeah, Star Wars just hasn't been my thing lately with what they've done. Although, and I still need to finish Andor, and I do like what I've seen of Andor so far. See, and Andor was, I could not get into that at all. Well, Andor's not just, yeah, Star Wars. It's like more serious stuff bordering on like our yeah. territory, like so, R-rated territory. Uh, if you get a chance, check out Ahsoka. It should be a lot of fun, especially in your Star Wars. And like I said, if you're into animated stuff, I think you're going to like this a whole lot. Uh, as we do move along, I want to jump back. You brought up Indiana Jones uh, a few minutes ago. Yeah. I would love to throw out my weird theory I put out on TikTok to you. Do it. We went and saw Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. If you haven't seen it yet, there's going to be some heavy spoilers here. But one of the big points of the movie is Mutt has died. He went went off to Vietnam, died in the war, right? Yep. Enlisted to piss off his daddy and to be a useless plot device that separates him from Marion for the whole damn movie. So I have this this weird theory that Henry Jones Jr. is mildly responsible for the death of his son. Oh, yeah, I remember this one. So if you go back to the Kingdom of the Crystal School at the very end, after uh, Marion and uh, Henry Jones Jr., and there's a reason I'm calling him Henry Jones Jr. here. Junior. Junior. We named the dog Indiana. That's one of the reasons why my uh, son, Jace, uh, we were trying to, I was trying to think of all the ways that he could have nicknames because I didn't have nicknames growing up. And his, yeah. he's Jace Robert, and I was like Jr. or Junior. <laughs> so Henry Jones Junior, actually full name Doctor Henry Walton Jones Junior. 
So, anyways, um, at the end of uh, at the end of uh, the alien one, uh, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, after the wedding, the door blows open and the wind blows the Indiana Jones hat to Mutt, where he picks it up and he starts to put it on. It is interrupted yeah. by Henry Jones Jr. grabbing the hat and putting it back on and going out the door with a smile. Right? I think that yeah, Henry. But- Henry Jones Jr. interrupted fate there in the passing of the Indiana Jones mantle to somebody else. Henry Jones the third. Yes. I mean, if we're really going to be proper here, Mud is now known as Henry Jones the third by the end of Indi- Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Because when Oxley's like, way to go, Henry, they both say, thanks, Ox, and then just look at each other and smile. Yeah, but that's my thing. I think, Jones I think fat, uh, I think fat was... <laughs> I think fate was passing the mantle of Indiana Jones to Mutt. Henry Jones Jr. the second interrupted it, which made him Indiana Jones again. And Mutt had to go off. If Mutt would have got the hat and the mantle of Indiana Jones, he may have survived. Because if you look at the end of Dial of Destiny, hell, Indiana Jones is one of the only people that gets shot in the chest in that movie and lives forever. He doesn't live forever. I mean, he he lives, but he doesn't live forever. That if he wanted to live forever, he would have stayed in the cavern where the Grail was yeah. found at the end of Last Crusade. But either way, he lived. Yeah. So I that's my stupid little theory about Indiana Jones. I don't think it's stupid. I think it's very interesting, kind of dark, but it, it I we, you know it's something to talk about. There you go. Perfect. Uh, Mike Reyes from CinemaBlend.com. Uh, just you know, being nice to me and listening along as I sputter off weirdness. Uh, as we get towards the end. Weirdness, that was a well-thought theory. Well, I like the idea. Uh, one of the book series I read, uh, Harry Dresden, The Dresden Files. Mantle, ah, Dresden Files. Mantles are a big thing, like the mantle of the winter night or of uh, Santa Claus. Santa Claus isn't a person. Very it's a mantle. True. It's a title. Dude, you're just making this even better. So to me, it. I wonder if the Indiana Jones... If Indiana Jones isn't a person, it's a mantle. It is a title. That's why I kept referring to him as Henry Jones Jr. Anyways, um, you've got some news. Makes sense. Makes sense. Yeah. There you go. It's real. Uh, Fast and Furious. They're getting a drifting roller coaster. Yeah. uh, Well, that's what the theory is. Because there has been a new roller coaster rumored for Universal Studios Hollywood since early last year that there was going to be a new Fast and Furious coaster and everything from leaked concept art to permits have said that it's going to be a drifting coaster. It's going to be called Fast and Furious Hollywood Drift. It looks like it's going to be built like spanning between the two major sections of the park, the upper lot and the lower lot. So basically Universal Hollywood has announced now that there is indeed a roller coaster being built. They're starting to put it on. It's under construction right now. They just started. And we don't know when it's going to open or if any of those other details are true, but they're promising like a state-of-the-art experience that you've never seen before with a roller coaster. And it just, it does sound pretty neat. Uh, From what I've heard, that drifting is going to be similar to how Guardians of the Galaxy Cosmic Rewind operates in Epcot, where basically the car itself moves on top of a stationary platform that's on the track. So while the platform's moving along the track, your car is moving in certain ways that'll probably simulate drifting and I gotcha. 360s. Very cool stuff. Yeah. And 
Yeah, especially because the last Fast and Furious uh, attraction is something that a lot of people generally hate. <laughs> it's always good when you There can... is a ride, and I put it in quotes, even though I haven't tried it, called Fast and Furious Supercharged. Oh, boy. And it's basically you're on a party bus, like a tram car, and then they bring you into like this tunnel of video screens and on either side, you're seeing like Dominic Toretto jumping on cars and, and, and helicopters blowing up and the rock, you know, operating a turret and all this stuff filmed. So no one has to be on set and have clashes with each other. And the car itself moves on a platform too. And it's just kind of like, Ooh, fancy motion simulator with screens. Ah, good times. Right. So yeah, an actual uh, an actual roller coaster is coming out of this deal, and it sounds exciting. I I want to ride it. I want to get to Universal Hollywood because I've never been to Hollywood. I've never been out there. I've never actually been west of Colorado, so it's <sighs> nice. I've been to Vegas and I've been to San Diego, well, like once for each, and they're nice. There you go. All right, Mike Reyes from CinemaBlend.com. Uh, I think we're going to wrap it up there this week. Um, thank you so much for the time. I'll let you get back to it. You have a good weekend with movies, okay, buddy? You as well, sir. Uh, and, you know, I don't know, poop joke. I, I'm actually ending this because I have to do that. <laughs> we got to go. Yeah, I was really hoping I had something for that. All right, we have an addendum to this week's show. Did I use that right? Yes, yes, you did. Oh, wow, look at me go. Yay! Ladies and gentlemen, Mike Reyes is still here. Um, we recorded the initial part of this week's show on Wednesday. It, it just worked out well for both of us and stuff. And uh, Here it is, uh, Friday the 14th at about 11.40 Central Time. And uh, I, I called Mike earlier today, and I'm like, hey, should we be talking about this actor's strike? And uh, yes, we should. So Mike yes. is back. Especially, yeah. Yeah, well, it's, it's an important reason to be back because as of today, if I'm not mistaken, as of midnight today, or well, midnight this morning, the SAG-AFTRA, the Actors Guild, has gone on strike in solidarity with the Writers Guild of America because their agreement has... Uh, this is my rudimentary understanding of this. Please don't, you know, yeah, 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 yeah. but basically their contractual agreements ran up and they decided they voted on striking. They agreed to strike and now they are officially striking because again, there's, it, it, it all seems to be coming down to streaming and AI and just the way is that those two tools have transformed the business and how actors are and writers are going to be affected by both. Now, uh, this all kind of started, or at least the story, I at least for me, I should say, started earlier this week when everybody walked out on Oppenheimer because I was trying to call you the other day and I forgot you were off. I'm like, why, why are they making a big deal about the actors walking out on Oppenheimer? And they like moved up the premiere, right? Yeah, they moved up. The, it was the London premiere and they moved up the timeline on, I think it was yesterday the premiere happened and they moved up the timeline because they wanted to make sure that the talent could participate without violating the SAG after strike, because basically what's happening with the strike now is actors cannot, in addition to, you know, obviously not being able to work, actors cannot participate in promoting their projects that were made under the old agreements. So that's going to hit, junkets that's going to hit productions uh, i just i just i've just seen word that deadpool 3 has stopped filming 
because they were actually filming under the writer strike. But now that the actor strike has kicked in, obviously they, they, they can't, you know, make the movie without actors. Somebody said, I, I and I forget where I saw it, but it was something like they couldn't do any ad libbing or uh, moving from the script because of the writer strike. That's true, but at the same time, I've heard people say that the ad libbing really comes in when they do the ADR, when they do like the additional yeah. recording. So, additional dialogue recording is, is ADR for those that aren't in the biz. <laughs> but yeah, basically, that's where a lot of the ad libbing came in, from my understanding, especially because of the fact that Ryan Reynolds is wearing that mask. And a lot yeah, of people yeah, were wondering, yeah. like, yeah, how does he get around that? But without the writers, you can't ad-lib, and without the actors, you can't make a movie, even though I have heard what's allegedly going on with Gladiator 2 is they're still filming with crowd extras, oh. and they're basically like, it's basically like, I guess they're not exactly union. Yeah, so that's I, a way to sort of loophole around that. The uh, non-speaking parts, isn't that the the big deal? It's it's you can be a in the background and not be a or not have a speaking part or something. Yeah, that sounds about right. Uh, Mike Reyes from CinemaBlend.com on the line with me right now, and uh, one of the things that this comes down to obviously money. Um, I saw a very quick video about this earlier, and one of the guys on the picket line was saying that it's like you have actors in Hollywood who can't afford to be a part of this, and you have people on the other side, and I some one of the big wigs said this. I don't remember who it was off the top of my head, uh, but basically said uh, they don't understand how the business world works. And the guy responded with essentially, "You're saying that from your private jet when there are actors out there that can't afford to live. You, our worlds are very different of what you think. You know is going on here." Yeah. You know. Yeah, I mean that's that seems to be that seems to be a real huge sticking point right now. Go on. Uh, no, the only thing I was going to add is, I mean, I, I imagine it's one of those things where a lot of people think in this situation where uh, people think, hey, you know, every actor's like Matt Damon makes a lot of money and all this. When in reality, there's a lot more people that are like normal paying job actors out there than there are the big multi-million. You know, not everybody can be Robert Downey Jr. in an Iron Man movie. You know. Oh yeah, and even then, that's because of intense negotiation and getting a certain piece of the pie because. John Cusack actually went on Twitter and talked about how he had a certain, when he made Say Anything, he had a certain deal negotiated where he was kept abreast of how profitable the movie was. And he learned that for years after the movie actually being a hit on paper, it was losing money according to to Hollywood accounting. It's just crazy. Okay, so... We've talked about the writer's strike before where, you know, the effects weren't immediate and where... Oh, no, the effects were immediate. Well, like, that was late night going going dark. Well, yes, like the late night, but like other shows and, you know, that sort of thing. Like, there, there's a chunk of this that is still coming because, thing, you know... Oh, yeah. That, that I meant more like that. Movies, this kind of stuff. When will could we possibly? I mean, obviously, there's going to be immediate effects, but for the person that's just at home waiting for such and such movie to come out, what what is things going to look like over the next couple months? You think, depending on how long this goes, uh, that I'm not particularly sure of. I can speculate because the whole thing is we still have films that are in the can, yeah, and ready obviously. throughout the rest of this year, and probably some movies that are done for the early part of next year, like maybe up to March. I'm just pulling it out of my hat here. But the whole thing is 
what we may also see is in order to cover some of these dead spaces that are going to be coming in the, in the next year, I think we may see some staggering of product in the next couple months. You may see some movies get moved into later debuts in order to keep the wheels turning at theaters. Okay. And that, that really, again, that depends on how long this goes. Oof. We're and on the edge of something big, right? Strike, oh, we're at the edge. We're already in something big. <laughs> these, they, I, I've heard that this is the first, Oh, it's the first it's the time first they've double been union strike. Yeah, yeah. First time since 1960, if I want to say, if I'm remembering correctly, and that was when Ronald Reagan was the president of the Actors Guild. Oh boy. But yeah, this is the. I think it's the first time since 1960 that this sort of uh, this sort of scenario has happened, and it's it's and now it's just unavoidable that some sort of deal is either ha- going to have to be made. Or studios are going to have to get creative with what they've got on the books. And you've already got unnamed parties reported in other articles saying things like, we're going to basically let people lose their houses and make them come back to the bargaining table. And then you've got other people more on the record, like Bob Iger, the CEO of Disney saying things along the lines of their demands are unreasonable. And it's, it's, uh, I I forget what the exact wording is, but it's become a catchphrase that a lot of people that have uh, used when, when citing what he has said, especially because uh, Bob Iger just renewed his contract at Disney for another two years and a couple hundred, couple million. This it's, yeah, it's not a is, good time. No, this is going to be crazy. Uh, I'm sure we'll have more on this as it comes out. This is kind of, you know, first reactions. Uh, I'm sure by next week we'll read up a little bit more on it. I'm sure there'll be more, you know, in-depth details on it that we can talk about. Uh, but for right now, it's uh, it's looking dark. Yeah, and one more thing I will throw out there as a caveat, because this does affect us entertainment journalists because of the fact that, again, Actors are striking. Writers are striking. They cannot participate in... They, they should not be participating in junkets through the studio, which is why you, you'll, you're still going to see junket content because of the fact that I know as someone in the industry, we have a lot of opportunities and a lot of projects come up through the last month. We were really busy with junkets because you had things that, were, that are coming out through the summer. Like we... There's, there's other projects coming out in August that have already screened and have already had journalists do interviews for yeah. that will be able to drop closer to when the movie comes out. That was another one of those things where it's like, I wasn't sure if there was going to be a strike. So a lot of places wanted to shore up their, con- they wanted to shore up interviews and promos. So no, that way sense. they can still have those projects promoted and people can go see them and money can still come in the door, even though, talent is not going to be working because they do not feel they are being paid fair. And they feel that AI and streaming are part of what's sort of robbing the the till, so to speak. But just a caveat I wanted to put out there. If you are seeing interviews for movies and TV shows that are coming out throughout in the post-strike climate, chances are those were already done beforehand. They were already done in the crunch to get as much out the door as possible before the strike came in. I'm not saying that will be the case with everything, 
because who can predict if someone is going to cross the picket line or if something's yeah. going to happen. But I'm just saying that as far as us journalists are concerned, we're really, at least I know I've seen other people stress this very clearly, and I want to stress it clearly. This was stuff that was grabbed before a strike was officially on for the most yeah. part. So people will probably be caveating that and just highlighting that when they write these things. Mike Reyes from CinemaBlend.com joins me every week. Thank you so much for taking a little extra time this week to talk about this, Mike. I appreciate it. No problem, man. I mean, I, this, is, this is a rabbit hole that we could go down, especially well, because now they're talking about some people maybe trying to get influencers from social media to do things for these projects, and some are already talking about, well, maybe we shouldn't do that to stand with the unions. Yeah. So it's going to be very interesting in the the – the months and days to come. And, you know, in the meantime, WGA, SAG-AFTRA, uh, I, can't, I can only speak for myself, but I salute both of you and I stand with you. Uh, keep fighting the good fight. I hope this negotiation goes smoothly and well in the, in the long run. Hang in there. All right. Mike Reyes from CinemaBlend.com joins me every week on the show. Mike, you have a great weekend. You as well, man.